Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode 125, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we like to bring you interesting discussions with diverse voices, and to help us out with our discussion on comics and money is comic creator, writer, illustrator, and campaigner, Hannah Berry. Hannah, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. You are very welcome. This is the first time on your show, on the show, so uh, you have no idea what's about to happen. Um, no, quite, quite <laughs> nervous, to be honest. <laughs> it's always good to be in a, a slight state of hyper-awareness, I yeah, feel. just uh, apprehensive. <laughs> I'm poised, like a leopard. <laughs> There you go. You never know when you need to like leap out of the way or something. I don't know. I don't know what's about to happen myself. Actually, are, are they poised like a leopard? Are leopards poised? Do they? Do they? Um, that, they that feels like a thing leopards do. I, I just I imagine know. they do. Yeah. Yeah. But could be falsely imagining yeah. them. If you are a, a leopard aficionado, please let us know. Do leopards poise? <laughs> uh, are we talking about leopards? No, wait. Oh, uh, we had to. <laughs> yeah, not your first question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's definitely not a first question. Cool. So, for people uh, listening, sorry to disappoint you. We're not going to be talking about leopards, but what? you can subscribe to Story X Story on Spotify, uh, on Apple Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, as always, you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com. Uh, you can throw them at us on social media as well. We are at mymatter on Twitter, at mymatter TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. And you can join our Studio 77 Discord and be part of the My Matter universe and meet others in the community. You can also consider becoming a Studio 77 member to support the work that we do at My Matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork as well. So before we get into today's discussion, let's update you with what's been happening in the My Matter universe. We are very fast, almost too fast, approaching the year at the end of uh, another year. So that means the end of a, another season of Story X Story. So we've got a, a handful of episodes uh, left, including this one. So we've got uh, recordings for Stranger Things. We're going to be looking back at the, the latest season with some cool guests. We've got interviews with people in television, so writers for television. So we're going to be announcing those pretty soon. And then we do our end of year special. So we will be putting together all the highlights from season four. And those include some of the bloopers. Uh, I say some, loads, there's loads. There's so many to pick from. Um, and uh, behind the scenes that things that don't always make it into a final edit of episodes. So it's a fun one to put together and hopefully a fun one to listen to as well. And then we do our wrapped episode, which is our top five, or if you're Tazzy, some random assortment of uh, five favorite stories of the year. Um, I'll be counting though, so tune in for that. But yeah, we'll be putting forward uh, some of the stories that we've enjoyed over the year. They don't have to be new, just new to us. So that's another fun one that we like to do as well. So you've got a few episodes uh, to look out for before we take our end of season break over January and then record again for season five in February. So before the end of the year, we also have some Studio 77 activities. Uh, every month, I will be talking to a different comic creator for our series, Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. So this is the monthly chat where we look to uncover the person behind the art form. Uh, so you can catch the VOD of my conversation with comic creator Laura Watton-Davies. That will be available until December 20th, as you 
listen to this uh, if you listen to this when it's still within that time frame uh, go watch uh, if not there'll be some clips on youtube as well and then we've also got our monthly games night so by the time this episode comes out we would have already done our knockout city uh, games night because that's on the 29th of november and the vod will be available until the 13th and then again uh, we're going to work on putting up uh, games nights highlights uh, we've got a few from our uh, roblox and fortnite and rocket league uh, and other games that we played will join those ones shortly uh, and then we're also going to be doing a special games night to end the year but we don't know what it is because i haven't spoken to tazzy about it yet but there's something there's some plan uh, i think yeah is I've, there some plan? I've got a plan yeah yeah okay cool that's all i need to know there's a plan tell me no more i'll just show up on the day as <laughs> as actually how we run <laughs> uh, all the games nights show up without much of a clue of how to play the game except knockout c i think i was pretty good at knockout c so yeah. we'll see how that goes i think um what was it multiverses as well you was quite good at that oh yeah that's we, we should do that again too <laughs> Just do all the ones that I'm good at. And then we have one last gaming event. We're going to be over at the Zabudovich Collection, which is an art gallery in Camden here in London. And on December 19th, we'll be bringing creativity and games uh, to the gallery for a special day for all ages. So we'll be starting the afternoon in about, I think, two o'clock with a games design workshop where young game designers are invited to go through a crash course in uh, making a tabletop game. So you'll be equipped with dice, card, uh, and things like that uh, to make a game that takes a theme or mechanic and adapts it for tabletop. So the gallery is running uh, an exhibition for Liu Yang, who's a Chinese artist influenced by video games, anime as well. Uh, and we're going to be putting together some activities in inspired by the artist so after the game design session we'll have a session where you'll be able to play video games including a tournament on some of uh, lu yang's games uh, plus we're going to bring uh, some anime inspired games as well so that's going to be in the arcade space at the gallery and yeah uh, come down it's uh, free entry uh, we'll be there and then you can play games. I feel like that's the only sell I need to do on that. But uh, we'll drop a link in the show notes for this episode and then uh, hopefully see some people there. And then we have also come to the end. It's the end of the year, so like everything's coming to an end. But we've also done our last Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign of 2022. So we're now going to be planning for next year's campaign, which is going to be in the spring. So go to looklikeagamer.com. Again, I'll drop a link in the show notes. And you can see the campaign that we started this year, promoting inclusion and diversity in the video games industry. Um, so... Yeah, I guess we have, so we did some online events and we will have clips on our YouTube and we've got some clips to go up as well. You've got the website and then stay tuned to our social media to find out what we have planned for next year. Uh, so this year's campaign has been proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Splash Damage. They've allowed us to put a campaign uh, together and make the events uh, free to attend uh, for people who want to get involved. So thank you for their support uh, and we hope to get more on board next year. All right, so that's where we are pretty much with the Mayamada universe. Now let's get to today's discussion. Today, we're going to be talking about comics and money, sometimes things that don't always go together. We're going to get into that. So we've got Hannah here, who is an award-winning graphic novelist, comic creator, writer, illustrator, campaigner, as I mentioned. Uh, she's a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature and was appointed UK's comic laureate between 2019 and 2021. Well, you've given all my fancier bios. 
Oh yeah, we like to give the the the, the full repertoire of uh, <laughs> of people. And what's also interesting, uh, I saw that uh, one of your graphic novels, uh, Livestock, was nominated for is it the, nominated for the best graphic novel and best writer in yeah. the 2017 Broken Frontier, and you yeah. won. Yeah, best I, I won one of them. I think I won the right. I won the writer one. Did I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know which awards I've won. I've won so many. Yeah, I was going <laughs> was, I really was that you just looking at I your really wall haven't. of awards and figuring out which ones? Yeah, <laughs> I've, um, I've actually put I put um, occasionally award winning because uh, it's quite rare that I win anything. I enter lots of competitions, but it's quite rare to actually win anything. So, um, okay, sporadically award winning. Yeah, well, well, you got one. That's something. Got one. Yeah, what more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> award entering so, comics creator. Yeah, <laughs> you would. There's one. <laughs> You gotta add that to your bio. I like yeah. that award entering. <laughs> I'm in the room. Yeah. The judges looked at my work. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to this chat, and I feel this is a weird way to start an interview, but I feel we're gonna have to chat more after this, um, oh, despite yeah, the fact I haven't yet asked your question. So just because, uh, so Anna has put together this uh, UK Comics Creator Survey, which has just talked with a bunch of creators and looked at. In some ways, it's quite a sobering look. Yeah. Just a re- realistic Sorry. look on the state of the comics industry. Yeah, no, no. Sometimes you need you need that. Uh, and it came at, um, or my discovery of it, because you, you did it uh, in the early days of the pandemic, but my discovery of it came at an interesting time. And I'll give you this short story just to set the context for the conversation we're about to have. Yeah. So earlier this year, I went to the South London Comic and Zine Fair. Oh, nice. And uh, while I was there... Uh, I met a parent. Um, well, I didn't know she was a parent at first contact, but uh, a lady came over to my stand. I was looking at her comics, you know, nice enough to look through. And as I try and do, just, you know, chat to people. And it was interesting because she she made a statement that you can't make money doing comics. And when people bring that up, I kind of, I have an understanding because I know it is, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible, but it is very difficult. And we're going to get into that. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to necessarily just say, yes, you you can't and, and leave it at that. So I tried to sort of challenge instruct, but she seemed very insistent. So then as we were talking, going back and forth, uh, I realized that then she was uh, a mother and she was her son. I think it was a son is interested in drawing. So then it kind of clicked. Now I, yeah. I understood the perspective. She's a parent who doesn't necessarily see a future in doing creative, in this case, illustration, yeah. um, comic work. She and I understand well. that. Do you know if she, if she said she did comics herself? Not herself, her son. Just her son. Yeah, because I, I, was was, I asked her. Because I thought the question she was asking or the way she was asking, I, I thought she might be a creator. So I asked her that. But then she was saying, no, my son yeah. has joined and kind of understood where the questions were coming from. So mm. so I almost want to have this conversation, package it up and <laughs> send it to her. <laughs> um, see, but for people listening who might be, parents who you know supporting young people just themselves aspiring creatives and things i think this is going to be an interesting conversation yeah. uh, for them so hopefully not too sobering yeah we'll, we'll try and get some balance yeah we'll... <laughs> i mean there was some good news in there as well you know cool. little nuggets of good news i mean she's she's kind of she's kind of right in a way it is very hard to make a living making comics especially when you start out i think that's probably the same with um it's with the same with every kind of area of, of, of every creative industry it's quite Mm. quite tough to make a start it's a little bit like um i was thinking you know the old road roadrunner cartoons where they run on the spot for a little bit before they actually go anywhere it's a little <laughs> yeah. bit like that you're just kind of peddling and peddling and peddling and churning out work and nothing's really happening and then suddenly you take off and, um 
it feels like that it feels like it with everything, but I think with comics because there's less of um there's less of like a formal structure, less sort of industry around it. It can take when you take off it it could be a little bit slower perhaps because there's not you know, there's not so many schemes or or employers or outlets or competitions or you know, there's not there's less than there is in, say, music, maybe, or, you know, other mm. other areas. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible. It's definitely it's definitely possible to make money. I think um, a lot of people, most of the people that I know work in comics work in, wait, hang on, I've got a stat. I think it's 87% of people working in comics work in uh, uh, supplementing their, their money with other jobs. So there's very few people that are working just in comics. Yeah, and I did mention that yeah. to, the, to the parent. But there's a lot of, the good thing about comics is there's a lot of, of of work that you can do, which is kind of comics adjacent. So you can you can do uh, writing in various areas. You can do illustration and artwork in various areas. You can work. You can move into sort of adjacent industries like uh, animation and video games and you know places that pay. <laughs> you can yeah <laughs> you can get yeah places, you know for sure. I mean, we'll we'll definitely uh, drop those nuggets and we'll dig into that. What I did want to do actually is talk about you first. Oh, sorry. Um, before we get <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> It's fine. I wanted to say, give people some context in terms of like who you are. Oh yeah, well, I enter awards. We've established that. Yeah, yeah. Like a leopard. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we've ticked those yeah. those boxes. Yeah, and <laughs> one of the questions that we like to throw at people early on is, what does creativity mean to you? And just like chuck that deep question at you to start with. Yeah, that is a that is a deep question. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, like traditionally, I think creativity would have meant, you know, doing some very formal artwork and having having it praised by people or creating very formal things and having it um, put in a gallery or listened to in a in a chamber, <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I think it feels like we, like the whole creative industry is very doing what you do off rails. So it's like it's not to use a, you know, a gaming analogy it's an open it's mm. anything you do that's open world and not on rails so you can be creative okay. in any aspect anywhere of your life just doing things that are you know not the like making choices that are not obvious and sort of have, playing with them with your with your creative brain and turning them inside out and i think having fun with things and doing the unexpected and maybe maybe having fun with it which yeah seems really self-indulgent but i think if you if you're making something up and it's it's fun, even if you're, you know, doing the filing in your day job and you come up with an interesting new way of filing, who's to say that's not creative? I will. I wouldn't say that was creative. <laughs> I think that's 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 very good. Well done, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I speak with someone who's done many filing jobs and I've come up with many interesting filing systems. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> You've been there. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, there's not there's not always an outlet to be creative in in every in every aspect of your life, but. Well, it seems like there isn't, but there, there there is if you sort of scratch the surface and you know you're you're able to kind of muck around a little bit and yeah, I feel that it, it I like that it's not on the rails, it's open world. I like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I might steal that. You steal um, that. <laughs> if I just said that and left it hanging, it would have sounded really a really good yeah. answer to a really good deep question. But I waffled a bit about filing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for yourself, how did you get into making comics, especially? given the the nature of the discussion like why also yeah i mean so i'd always made comics when i was growing up and i was always drawing pictures and i was always writing stories and it's made obvious sense to join the two together and i was aware of comics and i was into comics and i i I was into them and i got to a certain point where i was slightly um 
disenfranchised by them, I think. And then I think because I just hadn't, I wasn't reading things that I wanted to read. So I started to create the kind of things that I wanted to read. And um, yeah, basically, I, I was studying illustration at uni. And um, I knew that I wasn't going to go into illustration because I just wasn't a very good illustrator. And what mm. I really wanted to do was, was comics. I've been, I've been doing these in my spare time forever. And I just decided to just go ahead and do it. And I ran with this project. I actually started it as, um, it started as a uni project. They said, you know, do whatever you want to fill the, the gaps in your portfolio. And that was a gap in my portfolio. There were no comics. I thought, now is my time. Here we go. And I wrote this, this, I started writing this graphic novel, which became, it actually became my first graphic novel. And at the time there weren't, there weren't a huge amount of graphic novels out there. I think there was, there was some by Jonathan Cates. I like the look of, and there was some by Vertigo that I like the look of. And I sent letters to both of them saying, would you be interested in a new project? And um, Vertigo never wrote back. What was it? Dark Horse. I could never remember. Whoever it was, they never wrote back, hmm. so that's their loss. And then Jonathan Cates <laughs> wrote back and said, uh, "Send us what you have." And and I did, and I said, "Yep." And that was that was it. It was literally that. I mean, I, it just happened that they they'd um, they printed like I think they published Chris Ware and Joe Sacco and Posey Simmons and like a couple of others, and they'd done quite well out of it. And thought, well, maybe we can find some more some more homegrown talent. I just happened to send them a letter at that time. That was two thousand and five. So really, like it was a case of being in the right place at the right time, and then yeah. realized, oh my god, I've got to, I've got to do graphic novel now. They've got like a big legal department; they'll crush me if I don't do this. <laughs> and it was, it was really terrifying. But yeah, that was how that's how I got into it by being plucky and at the right place at the right time, which I think um, and asking and asking, yeah, God, yeah. There's so uh, that you don't, you won't really get anywhere if you don't ask, and it's. Having somebody say no to you is painful, but it's you know it doesn't it's it's not not the end of the world. You get up and you yeah. carry on, and you kind of have to stomach that. I think I've I've gotten over the years quite good at you know tugging on people's sleeves and saying, "Oh, would you want to do this thing?" And um, you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I'm fine with those rejections now, more or less fine with those rejections. Some still sting, obviously. But yeah. We won't talk about those. But you know, you've got to. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of self-promotion that needs to come with, with working in comics. And um, even if it is really uncomfortable, I think getting over that discomfort is quite a, is quite a big barrier when you start out because it, it feels really unnatural and it feels um, rude is how it feels. Look at me. Look at my work. I'm special. Appreciate me. Yeah, no, that's come up a few times actually on, in conversation. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. And was there anything that you learned from that first comic that you still carry forward with you today? I think because it was the first, it was real. I, I mean, I made little comics before, but it was the first. I'd made a graphic novel, so I'd, it was the first time I'd really gotten my teeth stuck into a big project, and so it was very experimental in a lot of ways. There were lots of um, like comics techniques and things that I was kind of trying out. I was sort of learning as I went along, which was honestly really exciting. And I think sometimes I forget that I forget to do that. I forget to be creative with my own. Um, work and that's that's such an important part of it and also working on a project that's that long I learned to never never work out how long there is to the end because <laughs> that is soul destroying if you look, oh if you, that's if interesting you, yeah if you look to the you know if you work out oh I've got six more years on this then it all <laughs> you just won't carry on but if you think well, okay I've got this this section here I have you know two more weeks on this section here then I've done this section I can cross off this section and I can move on to the next section and don't work out how long there is you know overall that seems mm. to be more tolerable. That might just be the way my brain works. I'm not 
Not too sure. No, it's interesting. That's an interesting way to uh, to look at it, break it down, make yeah. it more manageable time-wise. Bite-sized chunks. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then this this report. So you have uh, essentially taken on this project to survey the UK comic industry. Yeah. And yeah, you produced this very interesting, informative report and okay. you did it during the pandemic yeah like <laughs> so you you surveyed in you said you surveyed 623 comic creators between like was it april and may uh, uh or was it the summer yeah. of 2020 i think it was april and may let's say it was april and may yeah that sounds about right. yeah that's the height of the pandemic <laughs> yeah. when we like no one knew what was happening no. it was just going to be a few weeks and then we we're going to get back to normal yeah like, this will all over any day now, yeah. be fine. <laughs> Definitely by Christmas. What were the challenges of, of doing it in that time? Actually, do you know what? It worked out, it, it worked out really well. I, I mean, I was kind of lucky to be doing this during the pandemic. I mean, in a way, I profited just like all those Tory politicians did. <laughs> but there was Maybe not quite as much. Not, but, not, yeah. No, not quite. I haven't got up to the billions yet. Yeah. Or the millions. Or the thousands, actually. Anyway, but the, um, the, I'd started this project on maybe the year before perhaps about a year before it actually went out because it, there was such a long feed into it of trying to get the funding in place and get everything set up before i actually went out and went live and um it's quite hard to it's quite hard to get money in the arts and it's quite hard to get money especially in comics because there's not as i say there's not so many organizations that are involved with it. there's less sort of structure and also we don't really seem to exist outside of the world that we know and you know like the, in i don't i applied for funding from the Arts Council and they have recently, fairly recently I think, started to say, Oh yeah, comics is a thing. Come come get some money. But they don't make it <clears throat> they don't make it easy to apply for cash. And I know I have been through the process. Oh, it is a nightmare. And I think if yeah. you've been to if you if you come through certain groups, you probably know like the there's a certain kind of language that you have to use to get funding. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, there is. How do you know <laughs> yeah. this? Like, what is this nonsense? You can't just say what you're going to do or why it's important. You you got to speak their language. Exactly. Yeah, and you know it's it's technically open to everybody, but it's not really. So that's a major hurdle to jump through. And you know, I was I was lucky. I did actually get the funding, and I was really great. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you, Arts Council. So I take the money back. <laughs> I spent it. Um, <laughs> So this whole thing was planned for before the... But actually, so to, to take a step back again, I decided to do this because um, when I was doing my last graphic novel, Livestock, I kind of burnt out. And I was working every sort of every day, every evening, every weekend, every holiday. Uh, when I was sick, I was working every birthday, Christmas, like all, all the time I was working. And I wasn't really... I had to do that to, to make enough to live on. And I sort of became aware that it was... You know, I, I wrote a really um, grumpy... I thought it was kind of a grumpy article saying, I'm not doing this again. This is my last graphic novel. And a lot of people got in touch. A lot of people in comics got in touch to say, yeah, this is terrible. You're right. And I, it really left me thinking that, that you know, there's, we, have a, we have a problem. There should be more support and there should be more funding and there should be more help. But because organizations like Arts Council, like others, don't, are not really aware of us, we're going to have to, to make ourselves known, make ourselves, you know, put ourselves on the map. And so this is how the, the project came about, this survey, because I wanted to, first of all, find out how bad things actually are, if I was just a, an outlier, or if things were really tough, genuinely tough, and and also to, to let you know, let other um, organisations outside of comics know that we are here and we could we could use some assistance if that's uh, that's very, that's okay by them. So yeah, this is how, this is how it started out. So I... The survey went out in 
went live in April, May, and I was promoting it every single, every, to, you know, to everybody that, that I could, every comics organization, every arts organization, every, um, well, that's it, actually. <laughs> every literary organization, every, um, everywhere that I could, every, anybody that had, that, that had a, um, an audience or a mailing list or a readership that probably that potentially involved comics creators, I was trying to get them to, to share the word. And people were really good about it. And so we, we yeah, we got 600 and, was it 625? 635. But we got over 600 people. Around there. Yeah. yeah. We got a lot of people <laughs> that, that replied. Mm. And it's quite nice because there's a, there's a thing in statistics where if you have, there's like a golden amount where if you have over that certain amount, it means that your your sample is is a really, is a, is a what's the phrase? It's the perfect, your sample is a perfect example. Your your sample is representative. That's it. It's representative oh, of the wider right. whole. Okay. And we right. hit that. You hit that, yeah. Mm. Um, we got, yeah, we got that. I think it's okay. two hundred and something. I'm not sure. Oh wow, you flew past that. Yeah, flew past it. Smash that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all fine. Yeah, so people were really good with their time because it was quite a quite a long survey. I, I think I'm going to do it again in a few years' time, and I'll make it a little bit less lengthy. But we got some really right. good information out of it. We we um we really uh, were quite chuffed with our with the results and with the amount of time that people put in and it was all there's a there's an organization called the audience agency who ran the, like they hosted the survey and they they collated all the the answers and like trawled all the data and stuff and, and gave us this nice report and they were saying that normally when they do these surveys that maybe half the people will fill in the the literals you know the, the um the open questions where you have to fill in a box mm. and they said this time everybody did pretty much everyone did which i think sort of it tells how, you something yeah i think so it shows yeah. that people were quite interested in in this survey and the, you know what it could involve or we just like to talk about ourselves in comics yeah <laughs> little column a little column b <laughs> yeah. yeah so i mean let's talk about the survey because as i said there's there's a lot in there and we definitely don't have time to go through all oh, yeah, of it as no. much as i would like to <laughs> so i tried to pick out a few different themes and one of the themes is this idea of the the craft of comics meeting up with commercialism and mm, <laughs> the need to yeah. uh, sell because I was at Thought Bubble, so a UK comic convention in the north of the country, uh, Harrogate. And uh, I was there, well, a few weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was cool. It was it was interesting, though, because I you kind of see a lot of comic creators and you see people who are at the like the relative bottom of the of the scale. So, like individuals just trying to make their way, trying to make some kind of money uh, from this skill, this passion. Yeah. And then you see like guests. So, <laughs> Thought Bubble will have different guests. Like, in the past, about had... eating grapes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've had like, I think Brian K. Vaughan, Ooh, Saga, Why the Last Man, Paper Girls, yeah. things like that. And then you have, so I, where my table was, I was right next to a signing table. Oh, so, that's a bad place to be. On the set. <laughs> Oh yeah. So on a Saturday, I looked up and it was like this massive line, and it was for uh, the artist Jock, who's a oh, Scottish yeah. artist, and he's I think he's the recent one. He was he was uh, pushing his um as a Batman comic, uh, or was it One Dark Knight? I think it uh, is, and he had a line. So it was just long. He's going through the entrance. It was like cutting off my table. Oh no! Um, had, it was yeah. It was a bit of a shame, but yeah. I was, I'm just looking at it. I'm like. So where's the middle? Because he's obviously made it, you know, whatever to make it. He's got his brand. He's got people lining up to just get something signed. And then you've kind of got 
yeah, where I was yeah. in, in this space. And in the comics industry, there doesn't seem to be much of a, a middle. Is that do you find that true? And and why is there such a big gap between like the seemingly top and the bottom of the industry? Um well, I would have said, actually, I think there is a middle, and the middle is exactly where you are. I think okay. I think it's exactly the same. I think there's a kind of – because people do really well out of exhibiting at Thought Bubble and other comic festivals. They do – like, they've got huge readerships, and they've got big audiences. They've got mm. – you know, they sell loads and loads of, of comics. And um, even when they're not guests, you know, they, they, they can do really well out of it. So the, the middle is – Exactly the same. Exactly the same spot you're in. Maybe not right next to the signing queue. That was that's harsh. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm sorry you had that. But yeah, I, I, it's weird. Like the there's a uh, like the so the the, the kind of the income um, what's the word for the income chart for the for the survey is kind of flat all the way along. People make sort of slightly higher increments and there's, you know, so many pretty people are pretty much earning about the same amount until it gets to the like the high end, like the top maybe two, three percent who are earning mm. big, big bucks. And I don't know if that I, I mean, I guess we can count those as successful, I would assume. And I, I imagine they would be <laughs> guests at festivals. But it's sort of I think it sort of illustrates that there's just this it's mostly people who are doing their own comics and exhibiting and you know, maybe being published, but then also still selling at Thought Bubble and, and Lakes and um, MCM and other places. And there's a few people who, at the end, who are at the top end, who are guests who you know bring in people to the festival. Yeah, I think maybe there should be. It feels like there should be more. Yeah, you're right. That middle. It feels like there should be more support. There should be more of a spotlight. You know, if as you as you're working through your career, you could kind of. It feels like there should be more of um, I don't know, a platform maybe or. Yeah, and I say because I, I use the word bottom just because I think you touched on it. Where many comic creators don't necessarily make a living from making comics, and you know, going back to my conversation with the parent at yeah. the comic and zine fair, is that the idea that you you just you can't make a, a living from it, but then you see like people like Jock, like Brian K. Vaughan, who who obviously do. Yeah. So it's like, how do you? Why isn't there more people getting to that? I guess that that points to different bits in the, the industry, but then, in like, I guess individuals. I mean, yeah. like, we certainly, like, I write comics with our brand, but then as a brand, we do more than just comics, and we kind of had to because I my background is actually engineering, so I didn't I didn't know anything when we started. We just, and arguably, I know very little now, but the, the idea that we were going to, oh, we just make a comic and we just sell a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Having never made a comic, that's how it works. Yeah. No, that is how <laughs> it works. That's exactly how it works. Yeah, exactly. But it makes yes, it 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 I, I exhibit at um, festivals quite often as well, and I, I don't do as well as a lot of other people. <laughs> that that does make me feel a bit better because yeah. I because <laughs> I never do as well as I would like, no. and it's kind of just understanding why I, and yeah, I just really what that means. Chat after um, I think it was an MCM one time. I was uh, sitting around with a bunch of other creators who have been around. I think they've been. I felt like we were sort of at the same stages in our careers and they mm. were discussing how much they'd earn. And I was like, what? No, <laughs> I'm not with you that. You that I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, weird because success and financial success are not really, they don't, they're not necessarily, the, are they the same in comics? I don't know if they are. Mm, I don't think they are. No. I think they are. Yeah, but, and, and it kind of, I, I mentioned at the top about like, this, you know the uh, comics and money don't always go to, together yeah. because you have this perception of 
this commercial side of the work and like many creators not wanting to appear commercial or, or pursue yeah. say commercial in, in air quotes yeah. yeah but then i always think like isn't it all commercial yeah ultimately i mean technically it is isn't it because you're trying to sell your work to to other to other people but technically yeah. it is i mean you haven't you don't have to behave like elon musk to, to <laughs> no no one needs to behave Thank like that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it, I think it's quite hard when you're when you're selling, especially if you're selling your work directly to people in the festival, for example. Then you can feel quite dirty to be trying to promote yourself to strangers. And some people do take it a bit far. Some people are very pushy. Mm. But I think it, it feels kind of can feel quite unnatural to, especially when you when you spend so much time making these comics and working alone, and then suddenly you're in front of a bunch of people trying to trying to scream at them to buy your comic. Don't scream. Screaming is too far. <laughs> yeah no it's true i mean like tazzy and i we've spoken to multiple comic creators and i know that that's come up this idea of like you find making the work but then going to sell it becomes a whole other yeah. challenge yeah I mean, do you think i was just gonna say do you think as well there's maybe not enough of a conversation around money in spaces that comic creators are yeah. so that there's because I, like, I find it's something that, that is an issue in like the content creator world is like no one talks about it. So how are you supposed to be comfortable yeah. and have the knowledge? And is that the same in, in the comic space? Is there discussions have are those discussions being had even between like your friends and creators that you're, you know, that you, you're closer to are those conversations being had? And are people comfortable having those conversations? I think, yeah, I think like in definitely people that I know that have had books published and work with publishers, like we're definitely comparing notes. And I'm I'm happy to to um to come out and like talk about advances and stuff if that's if that's useful because we don't when we don't talk about money, the only people it's really benefiting is the people who who exploit is a bit strong, but the people who like the, the like the middle production team of diff, of you know different mm. areas of the art. So. Like my first book, I, I got an advance of five thousand. Second was twelve thousand, and the third was ten thousand. And those are supposed to be really high in the in UK comics. At least they were. I, I don't know if there's anybody that's doing sort of more than that. I think in the states you'll you'll get more depending on the publisher that you go with. But I know that a lot of, of um, comics publishers, if you, if you get your book published with a comics publisher, they tend to be they tend to have a smaller turnover, so they tend to be a bit smaller. But they might sell more copies. Like I've, I haven't earned out of two of those advances so it's really hard to yeah you're right it does it feels really dirty talking about it but it shouldn't do it shouldn't be dirty <laughs> we should share these kind of figures um i'm trying to think of it i might have to send you a link afterwards there's a facebook discussion group where they do they do share notes on money in comics and you know compare what they're all earning not earning overall but you know what's what people are earning on, on different jobs or for different uh, yeah so you can get that ballpark at least yeah yeah it's really useful i've been doing um so i'm, I'm on the the society of authors the writers union in the uk they have a freshly formed comics creators network which i urge everyone to join and we've been talking about the idea of having like um having some some rates you know just just making it known what people are asking or what you could ask for you know for page rates or if you're if you're a writer or if you're an artist if you're an inker or for you know for doing an entire comic or whatever but the problem is we can't we can't actually do that because it's a union. It counts as rate fixing. Oh, so there's all like these legal problems that sort of step up and say you can't, you can't. 
you can't gather this. I know there's, I think there, uh, uh, there's a lady in the States called Stephanie Cook who's, she's, she's kind of gathered rates. And there's some in the UK, but you know, what, what people get for page rates and cover rates. And so she's got some data on that and what, what people are earning roughly from different publishers. I mean, they're having that knowledge out there just, yeah, helps set some kind of standard and mm. you need standards to be able to build some kind of yeah. career or some like industry there. And I definitely think with creative stuff, like you've both kind of said, is that point where people feel a bit weird about, you know, oh, now buy this thing that I've actually put hours and hours of work into yeah. and literal like <laughs> sweat, <laughs> probably <laughs> probably a bit of blood for some people, you know, yeah. it's paper here, like paper cuts are lethal. <laughs> but and to then feel guilty for asking, yeah. for, hey, if you're enjoying this, can can you have some money? And like people feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But then at least if there's a, a rate that they can compare to or, or, or have a look and that, that you can see something, you know, at least like, oh, I'm not. I feel like most people are going to realise that they're massively under-selling yeah. themselves. Yeah. Like, no one's ever going to be like, <laughs> wow, I've been, like, way overcharged. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Well, I'm getting too much for the work that I do. <laughs> I need to run it. Well, there's so many, um, there's, unfortunately, there's lots of, like, really unscrupulous uh, employers and publishers and people out there who will take advantage of people who don't know. And especially if you're starting out, you don't have mm. much experience in comics. You might be doing you know, work for just for peanuts and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Mm. And in terms of the work, uh, hopefully not for peanuts, but in terms of the work, one of the, the stats that I saw in the report was that only 18% of creators made money through work for hire. So, yeah. and that seems like wild because you've got people who have a, have a skill. In fact, as we recorded today, I was I was in a school earlier, and there was a girl doing uh, as I was doing a talk, and she was drawing, and she was, like it was really good drawing. And I was saying to her, "You people will pay you for that, not just in comics, but just in in other areas like concept art and film and TV." But we've got eighteen percent only doing that. Why do you think more people don't take advantage of the skills they have outside of comics, or at least their own comics? I think well, the work for hire stuff is tricky because that's not. There's definitely enough people who are who are qualified and who are capable, but there's just not enough opportunities. So the, the oh, work, okay. and it's it's a shame because that that tends to be like the most lucrative area of comics. But it's all yeah, it's very it's very limited. It's quite hard to get work in you know, for for uh, work for hire is more is um like if a if a comics publisher will like they'll they'll set up a team so there'll be a you know an editor, an artist, a writer, and sometimes colorist, inker, penciler. You I mean you can. The, the work is not impossible to get, but you have to get a bit of a foothold first. And you sort of think sometimes it might be, you might have to know people or, I mean, you, you can, like, yeah. it doesn't mean that it's, that it's impossible to break in, but it's still, it's the area of comics where I think it's, which I think is most gatekept. So it's a bit of limiting. Shun is a bit of a shame. But then even outside of comics, because it, it seems to me that there's not, Maybe like enough people haven't thought about oh I can I can go to a completely different industry mm. and provide my uh, my skills there and use that to fund the work that I I do like so fast yeah. for example we like recently sort of just before the pandemic and have resumed in some way after the pandemic like doing comics for um so we're working on a project for a financial education charity wow and that's completely outside of comics but then the uh, amount that we can get like way more than i'd get from a convention like a weekend at a convention and it's 
it's that idea of like even for myself just realizing oh i i can go somewhere else yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't just have to be my own comics i can go somewhere else or even just working as a in some kind of consultancy role on writing so i i can't draw so i don't have those opportunities but in terms of like writing story development things like that in animation and in other areas it's like yeah just having people realize like you have a skill yeah. it doesn't just need to apply to comics but it can help like you fund the comic project yeah i think comics is quite um quite a creative sandbox to be playing around i think once you've got the skills to make comics you can you've got you've got a lot of abilities which are really in high demand in other areas being able to tell mm. stories and being able to to get a point across in a like a really short succinct way is really it's really sought after i mean i'm i'll be honest i make most of my most of my living outside of comics the writing and the that doesn't surprise me yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, you've read my comics. Yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, Nigel. Thanks. <laughs> Makes complete sense. But <laughs> 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 well, yeah, no, there's, um, you kind of have to dabble in all different in all different areas, and uh, you know, be a jack of all trades. Well, no, maybe no. Mm. That's not no master of all trades. If you're a master of comics, you can be a master of a lot of trades. Let's let's put it that way. That's true. So then. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's good for people to, more people to, to realize that. Um, so then, because in terms of like, that's the, a look at the money side. What I also found from the report is this idea of the perception of comics in in society at large, I guess, in, in education. And I was curious about the, the education side because, you know, working with uh, like in workshops with young people and, and teachers and parents and getting that perspective. And there was a, there was a line from your, uh, report. So I'm just going to bear with me while I read your report back to you. <laughs> but um, you had something that went, in our society, we're taught as children to read picture books, then taught to move beyond pictures to language. We learn about the power of language, but not images. Comics are widely seen as only being suitable for a certain age group or reading ability level. Yeah. And I feel like that perception yeah. just is that kind of stereotype of comics are just for kids yeah and cannot be anything more that can cut a, a whole lot of opportunity at a very young age Re yeah it really does it's really interesting that there's a lot of um and when i first started my posters uh as laureate i was um I, I had a lot of contact with lots of different teachers and librarians i was amazed well amazed maybe not maybe not amazed but a lot of people did say that they were they were really interested in comics and they wanted they knew how useful comics could be in the classroom and how popular they'd be and how important they were facing some kind of level of pushback from either from the, the head teacher or from like the, the, the wider school and they didn't really know how to go about it and there is yeah i think still this um this perception that comics are like disposable and trashy and not there's you know there's nothing good that can mm. come from comics and it's really unfortunate it's one that we're trying so hard to shake off it feels like um, feel a little bit like wider culture is you know it's what gets to be what gets to call itself culture is gatekept to quite a large degree. You know, you'll whenever there's like a, a comic that wins a graphic novel, say that wins wins an award or some advancement is made in, in comics somewhere, and if it's if it's picked up in a newspaper, which is very rarely, it will say kapow, comics not just for kids anymore. Still, and like we yeah we know we know it's not for kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's... Come on, it's been thirty years, please. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I guess that's maddening. And it's kind of a, a paradox where you have, in cinema, you have Marvel, you have DC just selling yeah. tickets yeah. after ticket. 
and they're all based on comics. But it, we've got this weird thing where the films are so successful at the box office, but then people don't necessarily respect the comics that they came from. Yeah. Can you imagine if they sold comics in the box office when people were buying, when they were in queue for, for the... Uh, I was literally just going to say, <laughs> so I've, I've got it in my notes, because it is something I've mentioned. Yeah. Why don't just, as you go to a film, as you come out, hear all the comics that... Yes the what you just watched that just seems like a why hasn't someone done that that seems like a no-brainer thing honestly i was thinking that um i think during the pandemic there was uh, a a campaign from theaters to try to i think it was successful i think they got funding from some streaming service. i don't think it was netflix but you know maybe it was sky but they got Mm. funding for the theater because they were saying that theater is struggling because of the pandemic and this is where all the people who work making tv and film programs programs let me try that one again (laughs) all the people who work making film and tv they've honed their craft in a lot of them honed their craft in theater so why don't you fund the grassroots i sort of feel the same about comics that why isn't you know why isn't netflix and disney plus why aren't they funding grassroots comics because we're you know we're honing our craft to to create content i hate that word but create content for them I just want some Disney money. That's all. Yeah, that's basically we, what it comes to. <laughs> we we all like we everyone all wants like, a bit of Disney yeah, money. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we owed it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it is it is like that. It's like how that disconnect um, b- between mediums, but then also there's a when I started doing workshops, I remember going to a school and talking to the librarian there, and she was saying how for young people, like the reading interest drops off, uh, and especially for boys. Mm. But comics, and I think she mentioned manga in particular, yeah. was something that keeps them engaged in reading and gets them to read uh, like comics because comics is reading <laughs> in, in its own yeah. way but also other forms of reading uh, novels and things like that. And it just seems like if you're, you know, because, you know, we talk about sort of Disney and, and DC Warners, like their interest is the films. I, I get that. So it's not necessarily on them to mm. say, how do we get kids into reading? But it just seems like there's a there's an opportunity there yeah. for someone who has the interest in getting, you know, building up future generations of people interested in reading creative industries, like to because they're captured, they're, they're there, they're, yeah, <laughs> they're like they're interested. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, and I know in your report you you talk about the the need to encourage like to broader range of young people into um, into comics, yeah. and you mentioned like a school and college outreach events. So Absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, when I was starting out, I didn't, I wasn't aware that people making comics were, I wasn't aware of any women <laughs> making comics, and it seems ridiculous when you go to a comic festival now you can see that it's really diverse, everyone who's making comics. And, you know, it feels like there is... Well, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel that way. Do you, feel, do you guys feel that way? It feels like there's a place for everybody, but... Yeah, to a certain extent. I don't extent. know how you feel, yeah. Tazzy. I feel like walking around, like, Comic Village or whatever... What is it called now? Uh, Artist Alley. Artist Alley. <laughs> um, at, like, MCM. <laughs> I definitely see a lot more of a mix of creators than I did sort of like when I first started to go go to comic cons but I still feel like there I feel like there's diversity of the people there's starting to be more of a diversity of the people but not as much diversity of the comics themselves yeah yeah you could at least at at least at MCM because when there is something really diverse it really stands out to me and I'm like I just had to come over because this doesn't look like anything else yeah. here. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I don't really do MCM because I don't really feel like I fit in. So I don't feel like my work fits in so much there. 
And also because I haven't mm. been invited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the main reason. Obviously, if I was invited, I'd be there like, oh. Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> you rang. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, things like, um, I feel like Thought Bubble's pretty, the, the, the range of things that people are producing there, that seems more. Oh, yeah, no, it's very, very diverse, yeah. But I feel that Thought Bubble almost feels special yeah. in a sense. Yeah. I do get the, I think it's it's definitely more diverse because I remember like, you know, doing Comic-Con because that's where we started. Mm. Myself, my co-founder Lau, uh, we're both black. So we look around, we don't see many black people. And I remember we'd have like attendees of, like who were black, like come over and just be like, oh, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know black people do yeah. this, where that doesn't happen so much now, which is, you know, it, it's a hit to my ego, but it's <laughs> a, a good thing. Uh, yeah. In a sense, because I can see more black creators now. I can see more black men, uh, black women, and, and other ethnicities. I feel, but I still feel that because you talked about like the middle space, I still feel that middle space is being filled up of people who are, yes, you are making things, but I guess what we want is the making a living also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more people doing just, that, and, yeah, and that side. would be great. There was um, a really yeah. sort of a sobering bit in the in the survey that was. Um, I asked people to to define where they like define their careers, and so there was uh, I think it was something like sixty something percent were saw comics as their current career. Uh, there was another question I asked people how um, when they made their comics, and there was a I think putting the two together I worked out that one in ten people who saw comics as their as their current career were only doing it in their spare time. Which, um, oh, that's quite a contradiction. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is my career, but I'm doing it around everything else which is sort of why it i'm, I'm really torn because i want to tell people get into comics because it is amazing and you'll love it you'll meet the best people you'll, you'll make the best work of your life also it needs to be better paid because the last thing you want is for it to become a middle-class hobby <laughs> with only certain people right. making comics but you have to be able, it has to pay you have to be able to to earn a living making comics you, know, you can't just do it like a hobby yeah because you you mentioned in the report that only a certain type of person can afford to you know, in some cases work for free yeah. or not be paid a living wage. So that means only a certain type of person kind of goes into or is more likely to go into it. And that kind of affects who is there making comics. And comics is good because everyone can, everybody can make a comic. Most expensive thing is time. You've got to pay for that. You need to, yeah. you need to remunerate it. And how do you, I guess this is kind of, you know, the, the point of the uh, report and then starting those conversations is how do you get to that place? Because uh, you also talk about their, the idea of that you're encouraging kids into creating comics, but then the industry is not necessarily welcome to them. So you talk about, you know, uh, the need for like agents and, and publishers and, and to, to those groups, comics are still relatively new and people don't yeah. know how to handle them. So what what are the differences between comics and traditional publishing? Are there practical differences, or is it just a, that perception of comics aren't serious, so those the, those um, uh, bodies don't take them seriously yeah, and don't think, take on yeah, people? Yeah, it's just the complete lack of awareness and infrastructure, I think. The, I had a really um, interesting talk with someone from the Society of Authors who was saying that they were having a chat with uh, with a group of publishers, I think the like, Publishers Association or somebody about graphic novels, and they said, oh, we, we love graphic novels. We just, we don't get given them often by agents. You don't get given them by agents mm. because agents don't really support, they don't really, not support, they don't really represent people making comics. So you're sort of sitting around waiting for a thing that you're never going to get. And I think if, it sort of feels like we, making comics, we have to be the ones to be proactive and, and 
yet pushy. We've got to be a bit, a little bit pushier. But I don't want to put everything on creators' shoulders, especially you know new creators who are starting out. There needs to be more support. You know, if you look at if if you look at the literary world, there's there's all kinds of organisations and prizes and and awards and funds and bursaries and like there's there's so much going on. And we're probably eligible for at least some of it. I would have thought. Mm. My favourite things is to um, is to write to when I see like a nice juicy competition is to write to them and say, oh, do you accept comics entries and and wait for them to reply, <laughs> and then and wait and wait and wait. And um, wow, I think it. I think you know we need to keep knocking on doors, but also other organisations and other other groups need to open their damn doors to us. Is <laughs> what I think it comes down to. Yeah. But then, so I'm going to sort of play devil's advocate for a bit and, and hop on over to the other yeah, side. Yeah, and, I'm ready. Okay, cool. All right, and then say, because, so I don't have the stats in front of me, but like comics don't sell as much as, say, films or, or video games. So it, it's part of thinking that if we're not going to ultimately sell as many of these things, then it becomes less valuable and therefore we're not going to invest in that infrastructure needed to bring it up to the place. Yeah. So. Is that part of the reason? Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happened. I mean, I know when I started out with, with Jonathan Cape, it was, I was uh, kind of coming up with, it was like a quite new and exciting graphic novels. And since then, you know, I had a publicist to, to tout my work around and get me interviews and things and, and appearances and stuff. And since then, they've realized that um, they're not so lucrative. And so less work is put into selling them. So <laughs> so they're, less, they're just less, it's become a much, much smaller thing. And I think this has happened with, it's not just Jonathan Cave. I think it's happened with a few other groups as well. But the point is, it's you know, I think they have to ask themselves, what kind of arts world do you want? Do you want a world which is just nothing but David Walliams? Do you want a world in which mm. new creators can flourish and you know you can find exciting new stories from from all kinds of different people? You, know, you, you can keep backing the winning horse, but eventually you know, people are going to get bored and stop racing. Wait, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah no I, I get that I, I think it, it it comes to not just thinking about the, the financial return from yeah, something yeah. I know that sounds kind of like I don't know anti-capitalist but yeah, that's right um, that's what I'm going I mean, with this we, yeah <laughs> but we saw during a pandemic how like how valuable art culture creativity yeah. is because that's what that's one of the things people like craved when we couldn't do anything else so it kind of comes to the idea of do we want this this medium this art form because what it can do and as we've said it doesn't mean people only stick with comics but it it can bring in different people don't like vibe with say your average 500 page novel yeah. but then it can bring them in it can teach them skills that they can apply in other areas so it's trying to take that holistic view but it doesn't seem like there's much of that for comics in particular no. i think the that um I've been doing a lot of scheming <laughs> in recent times mm. to try to find ways to to reach out beyond comics to to reach new audiences. I think we had a, a series of discussions of Zoom discussions after that survey came out that were on that, so there were four areas that were raised by the by the survey were kind of the key areas of concern. So lack of money, lack of professionalism, lack of access, and lack of audience. And Almost all of it comes back to lack of audience. Just it, if there's audience, then there's then there's more. Obviously, there's more money. There's more access because there's more opportunities, and there's more professionals because there's more support. And um, you know, so finding new readers is is tough. But I think especially while culture is being, I feel like it is being gatekept to to some to some degree, and also maybe because we're 
in our daily lives, we're bombarded with so much stuff. It's nice to look at a thing and think, oh, I'm going to worry about any of that. I can dismiss all comics because that's not interesting to me. It's, it's a relief to be able to dismiss something out of hand so easily. Obviously, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. hard to, uh, it's hard to win people over, but I think, I think it is slowly happening. I mean, especially because there's so many young people reading comics now and reading manga in particular. I think there's a whole new yes. generation that is, that is just so comic literate and is so enthusiastic about comics that it's going gonna, gonna to blow this nonsense wide open, probably, perhaps, maybe? Hopefully. Definitely, like, manga, I, I think, is is uh, key for that because I've met a lot of young people, a lot of girls as well, just, like, into manga. Mm, yeah. Like, many workshops where, like, kids will bring their own manga ties. I remember one, uh, one kid in a workshop... Um, <laughs> Uh, his adorable kid but um he brought his copy of i think it's dr stone but it wasn't even a uh, a comic workshop but once i told people like i make manga and everything he's like oh, i'm gonna bring this this copy in for you and i was like okay cool not thinking much of it and the next day he brought it and like <laughs> he gave it to me and i was like i wasn't sure if he was he was giving it <laughs> to me to take <laughs> was like i can't take your comic i'm just fine i looked at it and uh made sure i got it back to him but it's like that enthusiasm is there Aww. and i think because you you touched on diversity in comics as well and i think the idea of bringing different people in to, to tell their stories yeah. tell the stories that they want will then connect with different audiences because a lot of people i mean we have spent many an episode talking about the mcu and how much we love it except for thor we didn't like that one too much but not everyone likes superhero comics people don't always connect yeah. there are other types of stories that can be told uh through the comics medium and i think being able to because you you mentioned like the word gatekeeping yeah. i know i i get that and, and i feel that that's maybe that's part of what's stopping the sort of flourishing bringing new audiences in because they see it as a specific certain yeah. type because that's what gets pushed so yeah, much yeah i think but the, that's the stuff that is the stuff that's being pushed is this the stuff that is gatekept but there is so much that isn't i mean i, I don't really I'm, I'm sorry to say that I don't, I don't really read a lot of superhero comics and it's mostly cards on the table it's because i like a, a story that starts and ends i don't know where to start <laughs> i don't know where to end <laughs> <laughs> it's the same reason i don't watch eastenders <laughs> Fair. but um I mean, I, I spend all my time reading and making comics that are outside of that, and I've and I've got this whole enormous world to play in. This huge comic sandbox that is that is entirely outside of, of superheroes, and I think a lot of people are just not just not really aware that that's there. Yeah, maybe they are. Maybe I'm, I'm probably selling people short. I, I agree. I, I think I've there's many a workshop I've done where because I'll sort of pitch as a, a comic story mm. workshop. So, you know, we focus on like the storytelling aspect because I can't draw, so I'm not here to teach anyone how to draw, but there is drawing involved. But I try and take a wider view of like the comic ideas, story ideas, how do you form a story, how do you develop characters, things like that. And it's always interesting from a from a teacher perspective, how often they equate that to superhero. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I don't I don't necessarily say anything, but inside I'm kind of like, it's not just <laughs> a superhero. <laughs> yeah. There's more to it than I think that. You're fine. <laughs> So yeah. it is that uh, kind of aspect. And then when it comes to diversity, like sort of for me personally, I was thinking about like racial diversity, but then you touch on gender yeah. and an, an interesting one is location, yeah. um, which I didn't even necessarily think of. Because you, you mentioned Thor Bubble and how it's, it used to be in Leeds and it moved to Harrogate where I've been now three times to when it's moved in Harrogate. And I do get a sense that it's, uh, I could not afford to live there. <laughs> if, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little, um, little, little pricier. Yeah, that, actually, that, was, that was one of the, 
one of the things that did come up from the survey is very we were talking about it being more diverse but i think in terms of in terms of ethnicity considering all of the a lot of people are based around some major metropolitan hubs like like london and glasgow and sort of leeds it's not as diverse mm. as it should be it's pretty white when you look at the breakdown of where people are who are making comics yeah which, i mean even in in your survey you mentioned like was it 90% of the people surveyed identified as being from white ethnic yeah. background? Is that something you were aware of when you were putting it together? Or did that did you just look at that later and be like, yeah, oh, I was wow. Yeah, quite surprised. Something that, that did come up that was mentioned afterwards is that it's something that happens when you ask somebody directly what their, their job is, what they relate to. If, they're, if you're from a minoritized group, you're, not, you're less likely to say, yep, I do that. Less likely to say, yes, I make comics. If it's, if it's like a dream job, less likely to mm. identify with it identify with it to oh. i think there was a, that, that yeah, claim it, yeah, totally. yeah but you know maybe there's a feeling like this is this is which again is also a problem because comics are for everybody so if there's a feeling that you can't claim this is yours then that's also an issue something that you know we need to we need to address and take a good long look at ourselves but i feel like it's I feel like especially that there's kind of um, a generational thing with comics where people who started before the 2000s tended to be more white male hmm. because that was kind of how the, the comics community kind of worked. And a lot of work was passed on like through friendship groups and through like the, in the bar after cons. And so it tended to be more who you know. And now that right. it's more like we meet people through the internet and we meet you know, through, through social media um, and form our groups that way. And possibly, and, Opportunities are passed through that way. I haven't got the stats to back this up, but I've, I've, this would be an interesting thing for the next survey. I think that it's if you look at the, the people who have started making comics in the last like five, ten years, it'll be a lot more diverse than the than the older group. I have no stats to back this up. This is yeah. just pure speculation on my part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that feels like something because you know, just as Taz and I was saying, like at MCM, you see you're seeing different people more often. Yeah. So you'd like to think that that would translate to a more diverse industry yeah. in some way, he says, hopefully. <laughs> um, I also think Comic-Con goers have got more diverse. Yeah. Therefore, more people inspired to maybe start. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, if you walk into a room and it's all a bunch of people who don't look like you, it could be kind of intimidating. I remember the first time. Yeah. Or you might not even see yourself doing yeah, that yeah. like oh that's not people that don't look like me because there's no one that looks like, like me mm. so clearly it's yeah. not for me the first one i ever went to was in brighton it was all white dudes and i didn't really i, I thought well I, I like comics but i guess this isn't i'm not going to make a career out of this so i sort of bimbled around a bit and then left and um it feels like another world now it feels like a like a lifetime ago it feels so alien to the comics world that i know now it's good obviously yeah there is, uh, just to say that there is space for white men in comics yeah, yeah we're, not, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not cutting off white men <laughs> um, you must be queer you must be gay sorry yeah just add that yeah. <laughs> that's funny um is that then to say that there has been some progress so i don't know not maybe necessarily since you started the report but just over time have you seen more progress in terms of the likelihood of being able to make money in yes. comics for people who aren't say straight white men 100 <laughs> percent, absolutely because and i think a lot of it comes down to social media being able to find other people who are making the kind of stories and telling the kind of stories that you want to read and there's also there's a bit of um 
think there's quite a major pushback from that kind of monolithic story idea that that you know the archetypal hero is a uh, able-bodied cisgendered straight white man and i think just boredom <laughs> you know we want to read more we want to read more more diverse stories and it's you, you you sort of see yourself reflected and you can create work that you want to create and yeah it's like a it's like a, a snowball effect i think and it is it is really yeah, i feel like a lot of progress has been made but there's more to there's definitely more to be made for sure yeah so then what impact do you feel the report had like what what do you feel can now be different having surveyed all these people and and put this report out what do you what do you hope can be changed is there something specific i mean i know there's a lot you covered in there but is there something for you personally that you feel this can change next one of the nice things that i have heard is that um lots of the different groups and different people have been using the results of the survey to get funding or to get some to get some support say look i've catered to this group of people or look i i work in this area or look this is me i'm i'm underrepresented here and say you know this is this is this is the industry i am lacking in the industry please help me out and people have been able to get funding and support mm. from the the you know this cold hard data which is just amazing it's really um you know it's really heartwarming to to be able to do something that's useful and I, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm going to try and do this again in a couple of years, so we can get an idea of how thing, you know, how the whole comics is changing. Like if you get a static photograph, it's a nice picture of the landscape. If you get a, you know, if you get two surveys in a row, and you can see how things change, how things are changing, the direction things are heading in, and um, perhaps which areas need support more, or which areas, no, need a good long look at. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. good thing because even in video games, there's a census that has been done. I think just before the oh, really? pandemic, and as now they've done the third one. Yeah, it's just, it takes similar to kind of what you've done. They, they survey and then they look at you know who's who's in the who's working in the oh, industry yeah. and when where the areas for. <laughs> yeah, I know where someone was looking over <laughs> your shoulder there. Oh, no, you said they did it before. <laughs> Damn, I can't remember if they did the first one just before or during. I, I can't remember, so I'll I'll wait to see who's oh, stolen no. from who. <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's a i think it's a good idea I, I think like i said when i came across this i was like wow we need to talk about this because what you've done is like helped put numbers and and sometimes you just need to put numbers yeah. on things to understand the yeah, problem for sure yeah personally i was quite so i'm half uh, i'm half latin american and i was gratified to see that there are three other latin americans making comics in the uk so next time right i know three. next time i'm gonna see if there's any more <laughs> <laughs> okay, this this is what a survey is all about, right? It's, it's, now we've this, discovered yes, the real intention. My, yeah, this is my real reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's cool. And like I said, there's there's so much in here, and I I, I do feel like we just will have to keep talking because I, I I got some ideas uh, off the back of this cool. and thinking of maybe ways that sort of we could be a part of some kind of uh, solution, Ooh. given that we engage with a lot, of, a lot of kids and do events and things like that. But um, in terms of the podcast, I'll leave it to one last question, okay. which is, what does success look like to you? And has your definition of it changed since you started making comics? Oh, um, success when I first started was just to, was to be, uh, not just, it was to be acknowledged by other people and to have some kind of... Uh, to, to to get accolades and awards and you know, trinkets and baubles and uh, and all these things and I think as time has gone on, you know, I've aged and I've become more mature. <laughs> I think 
<laughs> now I just want to do work that I really am proud of. I think maybe because I'm I'm sort of uh, I mean I've got I've got quite a young daughter and so I'm balancing that and work that you know work that pays because you know she needs to be fed. She needs, needs to be fed. <laughs> I hear kids are hungry all the time. <laughs> And they grow up all their clothes. It's very annoying. But um, I think to do to do the work that I want to do is uh, that feels like success to me. You know, when I when creating a thing that you can sit back and say, "Yeah, I've done something really good there." That feels like success, whether or not anyone ever looks at it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like it because it's about yeah your your perception, and you can't necessarily pin that on someone else's uh, view of what you do. Yeah. So I think that's a good shout. So we've definitely not come to the end of the discussion, but we have, or we are uh, coming to the end of the podcast. So what I would say is for people listening and on the off chance that one parent <laughs> that I'm at a convention <laughs> is listening, hopefully there's been an interesting discussion as we did a whistle-stop tour through Hannah's report. So I, I highly recommend people interested, with some interest in comics, take a look at it. Uh, it's quite uh, insightful and, and eye-opening and, and hopefully serves as like a foundation to go and make some changes and, and get more people making use of their their skills and their and their art so if people do have feedback feel free to get in touch let us know what you think of the discussion uh, feedback at myamada.com before we do actually wrap the episode uh tazzy let's check in with our guests and find out what they are up to so we would love to know what upcoming projects you have and um, any news you want to share with us and also where where our listeners can find your work and have a look. Um, I can be found on Twitter while Twitter's still around as uh, at Streak of Fist. <laughs> uh, that's S-T-R-E-A-K-E-I-T-H. And Instagram, the same. Mastodon, the same. Hive, the same. And I'm annaberry.co.uk if anybody needs any, you know, to look at who, who the hell I am. I've just been working on this just been putting together this this anthology called Mental Health for Creative Professionals. No, Creative Freelancers, excuse me. It's a, a comics anthology with different chapters on areas where creative freelancers often have issues and struggles. I know I do. You know, things like money and imposter syndrome and uh, emotion and creativity and things like that. And uh, it can be found at... Um, where can it be found? <laughs> Societyofauthors.org slash... Um, HCF, is that right? We will yeah, soon MHCF. find out. So sorry, that was really that was really unsnappy of me. I kind of lost the thread there at the end. <laughs> that's all right. I'm, I'm like the leopard that's come unstuck. Yeah. <laughs> Just gone to sleep back in my tree. <laughs> oh, but no, we'll get those. Uh, we'll find a link and we'll uh, add it to the show notes. Um, I have a physical copy, but I know you said uh, there's a downloadable and. Yeah, yeah definitely recommend that. Yeah, no, but Hannah, thank you for yeah joining us for spending some time talk about comics and money and where the two can actually meet. So thank you. <laughs> oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, you're welcome. And um, if you have enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, then uh, make sure you subscribe to us, subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating and review because that helps some algorithm somewhere, helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussion. You can check out our stories. So we make comics. I may have mentioned it a few times in this discussion. Uh, you can find those on the My Madden website. So we've got a bunch of titles from our universe of manga characters, including the latest one, which is Serious Through the Fog, a story about 
about a pandemic that I made during the pandemic. And we also do gaming stuff. So we have our Studio 77 Discord. You can jump in there. Uh, we're pretty much done with events for the year, but we are now in the planning stages of future events. So you can go to gamepad.events uh, to find out when the next one is, but then also follow us uh, online on social media. So uh, among those events will be our 2023 Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign. So similar to what we've been talking about in terms of comics, uh, video games also has challenges with diversity. So we started this campaign this year so that future generations of talent will know that there's a place for them in video games as we want to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the industry and be producers uh, and not just consumers. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be working on plans for that uh, in the spring, uh, but you can find out about it when we're ready at looklikeagamer.com. Uh, and then the podcast we released every Thursday and those episodes include creator interviews, uh, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. So you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com, and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. Uh, so that's all from us. Uh, stay tuned until next time. Stay safe. And remember, leopards are the most poised cats in the jungle. That's a fact. Uh, and if it's not, I'm going to change the Wikipedia entry uh, to make it so. Anyway, take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.